0: How are you doing this morning? You awake? You had your coffee? Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I've not had coffee. But I'm going to have a cup of tea later. Amazing. Well, you can take your seats. But as you do, say hello to somebody around you, next to you, behind you. incredible. Maybe you're watching online, you can say hello in the chat to everybody that's watching in the chat. It's so good to be together this morning here in Chesterfield and online. And all of our campuses are together as well. They're all doing their own sermon series for these three weeks. And uh, in Chesterfield, we've got our own one as well. But just before I get started, I want to just welcome anyone that's here for the first time. If you're new, I want to give you a massive welcome. So let's welcome anybody that's new in the room. Maybe you're new online as well. You can put some clapping hand emojis in the chat. But yeah, I cannot wait for today's second part of our sermon series, Conviction in the Chaos. And Nathan last week bought part one, which was incredible, Conviction in the Chaos. And his was how to build a conviction. And our tagline for this sermon series is if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. And it was an incredible start last week. If you missed it, if you weren't here, maybe you didn't catch it online, you can go back and watch it online. Maybe you want to hear it again. You can go back on YouTube, you can hear that message again online. I really encourage you to do that. And uh, so today we have part two, which is called conviction of love, a conviction of love. I read this quote this week and it um, I'm not sure who wrote it, but it really stood out to me. And it says real love goes beyond mere sentiment. Love must be based upon the will to love even when circumstances make it difficult. Love acts in the best interests of the other person. Love is a conviction. And we're gonna be looking at a scripture from 1 Corinthians 16:13 to 14, and it says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Let me just pray before we get started. Yes, Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can be in your house. We can be together. We can be in your presence, Lord. We can be watching online and we can be in the room. And and I pray, Lord God, that through those two ways, Lord God, being in the room and being online, that you will speak to us, Lord God, that you will speak directly into our hearts, Lord Jesus, and that you will give us a word this morning that we can take away with us into our week, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that by the end of this message, that we will all have a stronger comfort. Conviction of love because of you Lord God and your word in Jesus name I also pray that I don't lose my voice in this message amen amen. <laughs> amen well I've got a question for us this morning Icon Church a few questions actually three questions have you ever gone against your own feelings wishes or preferences for the sake of somebody else's acceptance or love Have you ever been easily swayed to go against your morals, your beliefs, or your character for the sake of somebody else's acceptance or love? Where in your life have you had a lack of conviction? I think we've all been there. Even if you wouldn't say that's you today, I think at some point in our lives, we've all struggled to have conviction. We've all had times where we've been in chaos and we've struggled to keep a conviction. And whilst growing up, you know, in those chaotic teenage years, it's hard being a teenager. It is chaos. You're learning how, how the world works. You're learning right from wrong. You're learning how to stand on your own two feet to be a grown-up. You're learning to do the right thing. Um, you got to learn how to manage money and time. And, you know, it's hard being a teenager. And as I was growing up as a teenager, I did not stand firm for anything, I'm afraid to say. I did not have strong convictions, I was so easily swayed by other people's opinions, fear of rejection, a desire to fit in, that I would change myself. I would even sometimes lie to people and I would fake it just to try and be the same as others or to be cooler or to be more loved. And we see it now sometimes on social media. There's people, you know, social media posts can seem sometimes so fake because people are just trying to get likes. They're just trying to get follows. They're just trying to be loved. I even at school, this is an embarrassing story, but I even at one point in my school years used to carry in my inside blazer pocket a half packet of cigarettes and a lighter. I don't smoke, I didn't smoke, I never have smoked, But by carrying that cigarette packet in my pocket with a lighter, I felt like somehow it would make me look cooler. It would make me connect with people at school. So if somebody else wanted a cigarette or a lighter to light their cigarette, then I was that person. They needed me and I could be their friend. And it didn't work and my parents found it and I got into big trouble. But, you know, the things that we do sometimes, I didn't even smoke and I didn't like it but I was willing to carry that packet of cigarettes and encouraged it because I felt that it would make me more loved. I went completely against my convictions. And too often we're more concerned about being liked than we are about doing right. Too easily we can be swayed um, to go the world's way and then we lose sight of God's way. Too much we're tempted to gain others' love than to show God's love. We can so quickly become wavering in our convictions. And maybe today you're struggling with a conviction for something. Maybe you're struggling to have a conviction for something. But I'm believing that by the end of this message, after God has spoken to us through this message, that we will all have a stronger conviction of love. The world tells us that we need followers and we need likes to be loved and that we need to follow and like other people, do what they do, follow them on social media, like what they do, like their habits, agree with their um, opinions to show that we love them. But what we should be more convicted about is being His followers and be bothered about what He likes. We should be more convicted about showing His love to others than just liking others. We should have a conviction of following Jesus, seeking his love and approval, and showing his love to others above all else. And like Nathan shared last week, a conviction, the definition of a conviction is an unwavering belief. We need to be unwavering. To have a conviction of love, it needs to be unwavering. And just like we read in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14 at the beginning, it says, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong and do everything in love. If we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. And I don't know about you, but I want to stand for love. I want to be firm in my conviction of love. So what does it look like to do everything in love? What does it look like to love in and amongst the chaos of life, the chaos of the world? What does it look like to have a conviction of love? Well, firstly, a conviction of love starts with prayer. In Matthew 5, 43 to 48, this whole sermon series that we're doing in Chesterfield, we're looking at the the Bible verses where it covers the story on the mount, the um, sermon on the mount. Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) Um, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we started at the end of the Sermon on the Mount with Nathan's message last week. And now we're kind of in the middle. And in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, whilst Jesus is sharing the Sermon on the Mount, it says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, back in this day, back when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, there was chaos going around. Nathan told us last week, there was chaos. There was um, the Roman government trying to lord over the people. And the people were tempted to battle against it. There were the Pharisees telling people that they weren't living the right way. And you know, there was so much chaos going on. People didn't know what was right or wrong. People didn't know what they were meant to do. And here Jesus is telling them, the first thing we need to do is love each other. And we can do that by loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. Jesus is telling us and telling these people that are in chaos to pray. And maybe you feel like your world's in chaos right now. And I want to implore you, pray. Pray for that chaos. Pray to be able to love within that chaos. How many of you know that there are some people that all we can do to be able to love them is pray? People can be difficult to love. We're human beings. We're not perfect. We don't get on with everybody. Some people rub us up the wrong way. And some people can be very hard to love. But Jesus is telling us in this Bible verse, regardless of who they are, regardless of if they're an enemy, regardless of if they persecute you, regardless of whether you like them or not, we're called to love them. We're called to love them. And if that means you need to pray about it, then we need to pray about it. It's not always easy to love people. Maybe you've got some of those friends that are frustrating friends. Maybe you've got some troublesome teenagers. Maybe you've got some crazy kids that drive you up the wall. Maybe you've got some gossipy girlfriends in your office and and you're not sure how you can love them because you, you hate what they're always talking about. Maybe you've got some people that are mean or opinionated or selfish or just wanting to cause trouble and upset. And you think, I don't know how I can love this person. I'm really struggling to love this person. Maybe there's some people in your world who in the chaos of life have hurt you, or wounded you, angered you, scarred you, which has left you feeling broken, or weak, or unloved, or let down. And that can cause us to struggle to love that person. And the best thing we can do in that situation is pray. Maybe alongside prayer on a serious note, maybe you also need some pastoral care or some counseling support to be able to process and heal some of that, that anger and pain and hurt that you felt. And that will help you to then love that person. But with that, we still need prayer. They may not necessarily be your best friend. They may not necessarily be somebody that you would spend loads of time with, but we're still called to love them. And we can still have a conviction of love by praying for them, by having compassion for them, and by wanting the best for them. And Jesus set the perfect example for us to follow. When he was rejected, when he was ridiculed, when he was crucified, and he was on that cross, and Jesus prayed. He prayed for his enemies and he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And that verse comes from Luke 23. And what a huge amount of love and forgiveness that Jesus had right there and then on the cross. That kind of love Jesus wants us to have for others. He wants us to love regardless of what they do, regardless of what they say, regardless of who they are and the choices they make. We're called to love. And sometimes we need to pray about that. So I want to encourage you, Icon Church, who today, who this week could you pray for, for you to help love them? Because a conviction of love in the chaos looks like prayer. The second thing that we can do is have a conviction of love leads to greeting. It goes on, that Bible verse in Matthew five forty-six to 48. It says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Or are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. You know, in the chaos of life, in the busyness, in the difficult seasons, in the highs and lows, and even the everyday, it's so easy just to cling to familiarity, just to cling to your familiar friendships, your bestie, you click the people that you're always with your your own friends your own family your own people those people who already love you and jesus is saying in this bible verse if you love those who already love you what reward do you get but jesus is telling us here that to love those we need to love those who don't necessarily automatically love us back nathan i need you please sorry <laughs> I was trying to do it one-handed for like five minutes and I couldn't do it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) A conviction of love means to not just love those who love us, but to love everyone. To have a conviction of love means to not only greet those that we already know, But to greet everyone, greet strangers, greet people you don't know, greet people that you wouldn't necessarily automatically mix with. And I want to suggest to us today, church, who could we love this week? They may not necessarily love you back, but who could you love this week? Who could you love on? Who could you send a message to? Who could you do something nice for? Who could you show love to this week? Who could you go out of your way for this week just to greet them? just to greet them and they're not already a friend, they're not already family, they're not already part of your circle and you can greet them, you can show God's love to them. A conviction of love in the chaos looks like greeting. So we've had our first conviction of love starts with prayer, a conviction of love leads to greeting and then thirdly, a conviction of love builds the stance of non-judgment. In Matthew seven, one to five, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I love that verse, I love it. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when at the same time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And here Jesus is saying to us, you know, who are we to judge other people? Who are we to judge? Because we're also imperfect. We're also sinners. We've also fallen short. We all have. And we can get so caught up in gossip or curtain twitching, people watching, behavior analyzing and decision criticizing and forget that actually we're no better. We're not to judge, only God can judge, but we're actually here to love and show love and have a conviction of love. Um, Some of you may already know this, but the job that I do um, during the week is I work on a neonatal unit at a hospital, and I look after poorly babies. And obviously, the reason why those babies are on the neonatal unit is because something went wrong. They're not healthy babies, they're not ready to go home, they're requiring treatment, they're requiring support. And most of those babies are there because something or somebody did something wrong. It could be um, the parents, maybe didn't look after themselves in the best way they could have or made poor choices during pregnancy. Maybe they chose to have a poor lifestyle. It could be that the midwives or the doctors that delivered that child made a mistake and did something wrong and did, made you know, a mess of that particular delivery. But somebody is at fault for that child being in that neonatal unit. Some children just come early, but there's sometimes a reason for that. But it's so easy for our staff on a night shift, on a day shift, whenever we're at work, sat around the desk, so easy to sit there and talk about those parents. Say, oh, I can't believe they did that during pregnancy. I can't believe the lifestyle that they've chosen. You know, they keep popping out these children when you know the, the children are going into care and why do they do it? And it it got me thinking, you know, who are we to judge? I'm not a perfect parent. I don't necessarily look after my children or myself in the perfect way. And I'm not here to judge. And we can get so caught up with, you know, analyzing different people, different cultures, different lifestyles, choices, and it's easy to judge, but we have to stop ourselves and think with love, speak with love and act with love. It's not my place to judge those parents on the neonatal unit. It's not my place to judge the midwives or the doctors that maybe made a mistake or something didn't quite go according to plan. I'm there to offer compassion compassion, not comparison. I'm not there to compare their life to mine. I'm not there to compare that professional to another health professional. I'm not here in my world in this church or, you know, you're not in your world to compare yourself to anybody else, but we're here to give compassion. We're here to share compassion and to love on people. And maybe we need a reminder today, Icon Church, to show love and not judgment, to have a conviction of love before we judge somebody. Where do you need to build or rebuild a stance of non-judgment in your life? Who have you previously judged where maybe you could show more some more love? Maybe they're, they're being judged because their life is in chaos. Many of our parents on the neonatal unit, they're there for a reason. Maybe they weren't loved. And now their life is in chaos because of that. And they're just going around in this circle. And if somebody showed them some love and some compassion, they could leave that circle and start afresh. Maybe there's some people in your world that need that. Some compassion, some love, so that they could get out of whatever chaotic circle they're in and to be able to start afresh. Maybe there's some people in your world that don't know Jesus. And if they knew Jesus, you could get them out of that chaotic cycle and they could get on track with God. Maybe they're being judged just because they're in chaos and all they need is love. A conviction of love in the chaos looks like non-judgment. So a conviction of love starts with prayer. Pray for those that you're struggling to love. Read God's word to build upon that. The more you read God's word, the more you'll know of God's love for you and God's love for his people, which will help us to love them. And a conviction of love leads to greeting. Go out of your way to greet new people. And I said before, maybe they're not part of your circle. Maybe they're not your friends. Maybe they're not your clique. But we're all God's children. So we're all the same people. They are all our people. And thirdly, if the band wants to come back up, a conviction of love builds a stance of non-judgment. Make our first thought, Icon Church, a stance of love. And compassion a conviction of love instead of judgment offer compassion and not comparison compassion and not comparison and today we've spoken about having a conviction of love but that comes from having a conviction of God's love for us in John 13 34 to 35 it says a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But it starts with, as I have loved you. When we know God's love for us, that helps us love and have a conviction of love for other people. And we're called to be his disciples, which means to love and to have a conviction of love. Maybe today you're in the room and you you don't know God yet. Maybe until today, you didn't even know that God loved you. And today could be your opportunity to start a relationship with God and begin to build a conviction of love upon the love that God has for you.